Hey, welcome to Grace Online. My name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Free Church. I'm pumped that you're on here and I'm believing God's got something awesome for you right here, right now. I'm excited to see how he's going to use this service in your life. And I also want you to know that if you are part of Grace Online and our online location, you are a part of Grace Free Church. We're here to serve you. We have an amazing team that would love to serve you and your family in any way we can. If you're interested in learning more about Grace Free Church or the many programs we have to add value to your life and help you grow in your relationship with God, please don't hesitate to reach out. And by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, jump over to gracefreechurch.live to get the full grace-free online experience. On this page, you're going to find links to learn more about the kids programming. We have an amazing online kids location. Just click the, the kids link and it'll take you to an absolutely incredible online experience for your kids. Don't forget to hit the connect link. The connect link will allow you to kind of give us just a little bit of information about you so that you don't miss out on any of the really amazing things we have going on at Grace Free Church. Through that connect link, it's, it's the main way we communicate with you to let you know what's going on, changes in our ministry, new groups, exciting kids programs, fun things like our amazing Christmas Eve or Easter programs. You just want to be connected with us, so hit the connect button and don't miss out on anything. We're about to get started with our worship service and there's going to be some singing. We'll have an incredible message for you following the singing and, and some, some really cool stuff to end it up to end up the service. I really hope you stick through this whole service. I'm believing God's got something amazing for you and I'm excited you're here. Let's worship together.
will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like the power of Jesus. I will believe for greater things. There's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise, let all agree. There's no power like His power. There's nothing that our God can do. Let the King of my heart 
you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down you're never gonna let you're never gonna let me down
of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Welcome, 930. Man, it's so good to have you here. I hope that you are all recovered from Easter. Grab some of the so-so coffee and are ready for journey this morning. And welcome to all of you on Tremont. We're so pumped to hear about the first ever 
Easter, full house at Tremont, first ever Easter services at our Grace Tremont location. Is that awesome or what? Yeah. So we are so pumped about you and so glad that you are joining us up there today. And for those of you that are going to be watching this online, you guys too, we're so grateful for you. And um, man, we're jumping into this chapter in the Old Testament. It's a famous story, and maybe you've heard this story before. It's the story of David and Goliath, and it's uh, the accounts is found in 1 Samuel chapter 17. I'm not going to tell you the whole story right now, but spoiler alert. David kills Goliath. <laughs> Don't worry, if this is a brand new story for you, you'll still get a lot out of it. It's, not, it's good. There's so much, I've preached it in one-offs all the time. And as I was talking with my dad, uh, before he went to go see Jesus, he was cranking out all of these sermon series for me, uh, clearly, clearly grateful for that help. And we were talking about this, and he's like, man, this is so deep. There's so much more than just one sermon in here. So we came up with six. We're going to take six weeks, and we're going to run through one chapter, just go really deep. And it's called Champions, Journey to the Victor's Circle. Now, you may not be facing some nine-foot-plus giant in your life, but you got some obstacles you're going to face. And there's lots of lessons in this about how God uses David, how he prepares David, and what he does through, in and through him in the, in the face of incredible uh, obstacles, in, in, in the face of a giant. And so this is about a farm boy who becomes a king. This is about a kid who kills a giant? This is about how life with God, when you're following him, leads to victory. It doesn't always look like we want it to look, and it doesn't always feel like we want it to feel. It's not a life that is full of everything going easy all the time. You're never going to be sick, and any time you get sick, you're always going to get better real fast. It's, it's not about some sort of like self-help, weak sauce stuff for you where you have to get all motivated and pumped up and then everything's going to go good. This is about how to experience victory in the middle of struggle, how to experience victory in the middle of opposition. And David would see tons of opposition, not just from a giant. This is about how to walk with God through both the good days and the bad days and end up experiencing life in the victory circle. It's a series about how you can, you, no matter who you are, no matter what life has looked like for you, no matter what challenges you're up against, this is a story about how you can experience victory that God has for you. Now, I know like sometimes the the pep talks don't work. I've spent a significant amount of time coaching various athletic teams at various levels, and um, probably the longest stint I spent coaching was in, in the soccer world and at the high school level, and um, I've seen the faces of beat-down teams who are giving it their all, and I've experienced that, um, that sometimes a pep talk isn't what you need, Right? Like, I, I just said that you can experience victory, and some of you are so exhausted, you're like, oh, I don't know if I can, I barely made it here, right? And you're talking about whooping a giant? Like, ha, we fought over coffee this morning. 
and you're going to tell me how I can experience victory in life, I'm trying to hold the pieces together. Like just trying not to let them spill all out all over the floor and affect everybody in my life. And you're going to talk to me about how I can always win. I know sometimes like you're tired and you've been giving it your all. You've been trying to hold the pieces together. You've been trying to do the best you can one step at a time, and you're worn out. And the last thing that you need is for some preacher to step on a stage with some really cool sneakers and tell you. (laughs) Why is that? That's not a joke. Tell you, you can do it. You gotta, you gotta do it. You can pump yourself up. You can, you can get there, you know, just dig deep, dig a little deeper. Give a little more and you'll be fine. I know that sometimes a pep talk is not what you need and I don't want you to confuse this series. This is not some kind of self-help pep talk to get you all charged up about how you can like experience, win your own victory in your own situation, in your own relationship, in your own life over whatever obstacle you face and then you can like hit the, Hit the, I used to do this, right, like for a week after winning championships. I won a lot of championships. Is that arrogant? I probably shouldn't say that. I, I don't know how to get out of it. All right, so like I used to put on like, we are the champ. I blasted. I drive through Haven. No offense, all my Haven people blasting it, right? I went to Blue Mountain. I drive through Pine Grove blasting. We are the champions. Like nobody's listening. But <laughs> this isn't some like self-help pump you up. You can do it, and then let's blare the music to celebrate your win. No, this is so much deeper, and I think so much more helpful than that. See, God isn't just trying to, like, make your life easy. He's got your best in mind. It's not about just having win after win after win. It's about learning how to experience the things God has for you in the midst of all circumstances. He didn't promise you to stack up a huge win column. He said, in this world, you're gonna have trouble. But you can take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, what he's inviting you to is just to experience the victory he has won and will deliver in your life over all kinds of trouble, through all kinds of circumstances, when you're facing giants, when the mountains seem too big to climb. It's not about you doing more. It's about you leaning in to him more. Let me just read this little snippet of this chapter. I'm not going to read the whole chapter, but I have an encouragement for you over the next six weeks. Like, I don't know if you read the Bible, if you even have a Bible, if you want a paper Bible. We give free ones out at both of our locations. Just see somebody on our welcome team or grab one that's laying around. Just make sure it doesn't have a name written on it. (laughs) If you flip it open, it's got like notes in it. Probably don't grab that one. Um, Or I use the YouVersion app on my phone all the time. It's a great Bible app. And, and so here's my challenge. I'm not going to read the whole chapter for you this morning. But what I would encourage you to do and us to do as a church is to read this chapter like at least once a week, every week. Just read through it. It's a great story. And I guarantee you, you read through it once, something will hit you. You read through it twice, something different will hit you. You keep reading through it. God's going to keep showing you new layers 
of the story of David and Goliath. I just want to read about the hero of the story. The, the hero of the story doesn't show up until verse 17 of this chapter, although the chapter before this kind of is like his origin story, David, King David, that's what all the superheroes have, right? They all have an origin story. But in chapter 17, it says this, now Jesse said to his son David, take this ephah of roasted grain, that's a huge that's a lot of grain, right? It's like a big bag of grain. And these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Now, if you haven't caught this part of the story, you have this great showdown between the Philistine and army and the armies of Israel. The, the King Saul, who's the king of Israel, is on the battlefield. They're both sitting on a hill. You got the Israelites lined up on one hill. You have the Philistines lined up on another hill. And you have this valley in between the battlefield, which is kind of left empty as these two armies stand off against each other. David is the youngest of all his brothers, and a bunch of his older brothers are at war on the front lines preparing to do battle against the Philistine army. They're not doing battle, though, because every day at the start of the day, this giant, this nine-foot dude who we're gonna talk a whole lot about next week, keeps coming out onto the field and saying, like, who, send somebody to challenge me. Who do you got mocking the God of the Israelites and mocking Mocking the Israelites, and you have the entire Israelite army locked up in fear because of this giant that they're facing. And into this story rides David. Jesse is his dad, and he's the errand boy. That's it. That's the start of this hero in the story. He's taking a cheese plate to the commander. That's, that's a... <laughs> Exciting hero-like stuff right there, right? Like, I want to know what kind of cheese, but that has nothing to do with the sermon. Take along these 10 cheeses. There's 10 of them, so that's good. The command, to the commander of their unit, see your brothers, how your brothers are doing, and bring back some assurance from them. No cell phones, no texting. Could you imagine the waiting and the not knowing of this father who has a bunch of sons on the battlefield? So he obviously wants to know how they're doing and he sends David with all this, these gifts to provide supplies for them and asks, hey, like, hey, come back and tell me, are the boys all right? Are your brothers okay? They're with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. So early in the morning, David left the flock. He was a shepherd. That was their trade. And for his dad, he would tend to the sheep and guard over the sheep. He left the flock that he was in care of to another shepherd, loaded up, and set out. It's the story of this David. And the point number one I want to give you about how to experience victory, this is about, this is by the way, about how to experience victory out of the ordinary when you feel like you're stuck in the ordinary. Num number one, I have four things for you this morning. Number one is show up with a cheese plate. <laughs> I'm not kidding though. Show up with a cheese plate. What's so absolutely incredible about this story is David just does it. 
And what you might not know, if you haven't heard the backstory, his origin story, is he was out tending these sheep not that long ago, tending the flocks of sheep out in the fields, when Samuel, the prophet of God, came to Jesse and said, hey, God has told me that the next king of Israel, because he's done with Saul, because Saul has turned his back on God, because Saul's doing things his own way, Samuel was like, God has told me that the next king, the king I'm supposed to appoint, the king over all of Israel is to come from your line. So Jesse had gathered all of his sons except David, the youngest, left David out in the field to tend to the sheep. And Samuel, the prophet of God, comes and says, it's not him. It's not him. Yeah, they look the part. They look like they should be the heroes of the story, but it's not him. Is there anybody else? And Jesse says, I mean, yeah. My youngest kid is out in the field, but what are you, like, it's, it can't be like him. Look at these guys. It can't be him. Samuel says, go get him. We're not even going to sit down. Some of you are like, man, it's too, it's too long to, to, to stand for a song. And he's like, we're not even going to sit down. I get it. Sometimes I'm like, can I? No, I'm not going to. Uh, he, he sends, and he says, we're not going to sit until David gets back here. David gets back here, and God had Samuel had, had said, you know, like man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. You're so busy comparing that word with everybody else thinking you can't be the hero of your story because you don't think you're good enough, because maybe you don't look the part, because life's been a struggle, because you failed at some stuff. But God is less concerned with how you measure up, how you think you measure up, with everybody else. You see, what he is searching for in the hero of the story is the right kind of heart. What leads to victory in your life is not about how you measure up with everybody else. It's not about whether you're as motivated as everybody else. It's not about whether you can get the skill that you need to be better than everybody else or to be like everybody else. It's not about how many self-help books you can read about and journal. What matters most is the heart. David is this incredible example of that. They send for him, he comes back, and he says, this is the one. To everybody's shock and amazement, this is the new king of Israel. And then do you know what David does? He turns on, we are the champions, and blasts it, driving through <laughs> Schuylkill Haven, right? Like, I did it. Eat that, brothers. You know, like, ha-ha. You thought I was just out there with the sheep stuff. <laughs> no, he goes right back to being a shepherd. Hmm. We don't like that. We, we, we can experience victory. They told me at church. And then Monday, you know, you're cleaning up aisle six again. I'm supposed to experience victory. And I'm right back to my ordinary life the next day. My relationships just grinding it out through life. But David was special not because of what he did, because of who he was here. Um, see, showing up with a cheese plate 
is not a reflection of his potential. It's a sign of his faithfulness. It's a demonstration, not of his skill with the sword, and David was no weakling. It wasn't a, it wasn't a show of his strength, it was a show of his character. So show up with a cheese plate. You want to experience victory in your life. It's about who you are on the inside. It's about your heart. David, at, and as he's in the fields, right, like he's, there's, Saul is being tormented because God's like done with Saul. And that's, I don't want to get too deep into that. That's a whole other sermon for a whole other series for a whole other time. Like Saul had turned his heart away from God and so God had abandoned him and his support of his kingship and uh, so that was a very troubling time for Saul even though he didn't really know what was going on he's very troubled and he's like uh, his attendants see how troubled he is and Saul says to one of his attendants in the end of 16 like find someone who plays well and bring him to me one of the servants answered I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre he's brave and a warrior, he speaks well, is fine looking, and the Lord is with him. You see, even going back, anointed as king, to work in a sheep field, David was still faithful. He was faithful to God. He didn't get frustrated. He didn't, I'm sure he was wondering, like, is this a whole, oh, the dream, is it gonna, is it gonna happen? Like, he, he's, he, his character was intact. Who you are matters. So practice consistency. Be faithful. Focus less on the outside of your life and the outside of other people's life. Focus more on, is your heart all right? Is your heart good? Is it... Is it in relationship with God? Is it being restored? Is it being made new? Are you a person who has character when everybody's looking and also has character when nobody's looking? Do you, do you not just let everything fly because you know it's, it's about what's in here? Show up with a cheese plate. Demonstrate the faithfulness. What matters most is your heart. God always works through the ordinary. And we're always looking for his direction. And his direction starts in your heart. In 1 Corinthians 1.26, I just want to read this to you. For those of you who are like checking out and thinking, I don't know if I got it. I don't know if I'm good enough. I don't know if, if God can use me. If things can actually change in my life. In 1 Corinthians 26, it says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before you. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us the wisdom of God, our righteousness, our holiness, our redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts, boasts in the Lord. 
In 2 Corinthians, Paul would go on to say, I've been tormented, right? Like I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harm me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord for him to take it from me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more in my weakness so that Christ's power may rest in me. You don't feel strong enough, good. You don't match up with everybody else, good. You feel like you can't experience victory because you blew it too many times, good. You're too distracted by the tormenting circumstances in your life, Paul would say good. It's a perfect place for God to demonstrate his power in the midst of your weakness and help you experience victory. So show up with a cheese plate. It starts with your heart. The second thing I have for you is this. Learn to be content without settling. Every time I talk about contentment, it throws people for a loop and they want to come and talk to me about it because they're, they're, it's confusing. It's confusing for me too, like contentment, but how can I learn to be content in every circumstance when I feel like God has so much more for me? Like contentment and settling are not the same things. Learn to be content without settling. In Philippians 4, Paul says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. Whatever the circumstances, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every and any situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this. I can do all this through Christ who strengthens me. Learn to be content. It's not the same as settling. God has more for you. He's gonna do more in your life than you could have thought to pray for, than you could have imagined if you're willing to follow him. Learn to be content with what he is doing in your life and how he is working in your current circumstances. It doesn't mean you're settling. It doesn't mean that you're happy with really terrible things that are going on in your life. It doesn't mean you can't dream for something bigger and better. It doesn't mean that you're gonna be stuck in the same spot everywhere. Learning to be content means leaning in, depending on, and trusting God. His timing and his work Whenever and however he dishes it out. Contentment for Paul, it wasn't about whether having, he had a lot or having a little. He could have the same kind of contentment when he was like, banking mad bucks. I don't know. He banked. Do you bank mad bucks if you're a tent maker? I don't know. Like, or, or if he was flat out broke. His contentment was not sourced from his circumstances or material things. Maybe you're so discontent in life because you're so focused on all of your circumstances and not focused on a God who is with you in the middle of those circumstances. Paul knew contentment. Contentment was about sourcing God's strength in every circumstance. You feel like you can't get through? You don't gotta try. You can just depend on him and let him carry you. You're confused and don't know what to do? You don't gotta figure it all out. 
You can depend on, trust, and follow him. I, I think we sometimes despise where we're at or we despise ourselves. I think like, I don't, I, I hate this life that I'm in right now. Instead of trusting God in the middle of it and letting him do the work in you, he has to do in you before he takes you to the next place he's going to take you. And sometimes we despise ourselves. I should have done this different. I should have done that different. This was the wrong decision. This was the wrong person. This was the wrong town. This was the wrong job. This is the wrong church. I don't know. You know, like, learn to be content whoever you are and wherever you are. And no, that's not settling. It's just practicing dependence on God. See, the difference is not finding joy in your circumstances, whatever your circumstances may be. Some of you are in some circumstances that will yield zero joy. You're running a negative deficit. Find, it's not about finding joy in your circumstance. It's about finding joy in who God is and how he feels about you and what he's doing in you no matter what your circumstances are. Number three, learn to be faithful in small things. David was faithful in his worship, playing music and singing songs to God even in the field. He was faithful in taking care of his sheep, and we'll get to this in a whole nother service, but God was doing something as he was back in those fields, preparing him for the moment of his biggest victory. He was faithful in listening to his dad, which is something plenty of us struggle with from time to time, right? He was faithful with lugging grain when he was skilled enough that he could have been fighting. He was faithful in carrying cheese plates back and forth, sending messengers, doing the, the things he was called to do in the moment he was called to do it. Be faithful in the small, the small steps that you need to take to restore a relationship. It's the small things. It's the little I'm sorry's that make a big difference. Be faithful in the small steps that God places right in front of you. If he has you where he has you, he has you there for a purpose. And maybe instead of dreaming and, and wishing and living disgruntled because you're not where you hope to be, be faithful today. Be faithful in the little step of how you treat a client, how you talk to somebody that bashes you. Be faithful in the little things of praying for the people you care about. Putting on self-control. When you're faithful in the little things, it leads us to some really big things. Learn to be faithful in the small stuff. It matters way more than the big stuff you hope for. It's what the big victories are built on. It's the small stuff. And my last thing, I'm running out of time. Embrace the ordinary. Embrace it and give it to God and let him have it. First, if I've done a wedding of yours, I probably have mentioned this. It's one of my favorite things to talk about in relationships because it happened at a wedding and it was also Jesus' first miracle I don't know if you know this, but his first miracle was about taking water and making it into wine. 
And if you know that story, you know that it wasn't just ordinary wine, that it was excellent wine. His first miracle that he ever performed was about showing us that the ordinary in his hands is extraordinary. So embrace it. What it, it it's you. You don't have to be somebody special. You don't have to be the most famous warrior. You don't have to be the king on his throne with all of his crowns. All those people were lined up and living and stuck in fear. It was the ordinary kid from the ordinary farm, from the ordinary relationships with his brothers, from the ordinary that God did the extraordinary. So if you're feeling stuck in life, just embrace what God is doing in you. Embrace where he has you. Let him have it and watch as he will do extraordinary things in all of your ordinary relationships, in all of your ordinary stuff, in all of your ordinary day to day to day. Embrace it and let God have it. It doesn't matter what you've been through, what you're stuck in. Doesn't matter what labels you self-inflict or others place on you. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you have made. It doesn't matter what you're coming out of. It doesn't. What matters is letting God have you. What matters is learning how to follow him in small ways. What matters is letting him have your heart now so that he can make it new, so that he can build in you the character you need for the journey that's in front of you. And if you can do that, no matter who you are, if you could trust him like that, if you could give him where you're at right now and trust him with your day Today, there is no telling what God will do in your life. And when he does something in your life, he also does it through your life. And the fruit of your small faithful steps will have an impact on others that you will not be able to measure. Could you... Just show up with a cheese plate this week. <laughs> Not here. I don't want cheese. I got, enough, I got enough cheese in my life. Could you learn to be content without settling? Could you learn to stop searching for the big things and the big changes in your life that you're desperate for and instead just start to be faithful in the small things God puts in front of you and can you embrace the ordinary stuff of your life the ordinary you and just allow God to have it because he will always prove faithful he's preparing you he's doing something in you the journey ahead it'll have its challenges but victory has already been won for you it's just about experiencing it and he'll get you there. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the ordinary things of life. 
placed in your hands, those things are not ordinary at all. They're beautiful, extraordinary, and you use them. Thank you for David's like faithfulness to you. It's what an example and a reminder that it doesn't matter what I do or how I look. What matters is my heart. Would you help us all to just grow in our faithfulness of you? And for those of us that have kind of been holding you at arm's length, who have not actually trusted you with our hearts, who have not actually placed our faith in you, I pray that today would be the day, even right now, that they would say, God, I give you my life and I trust you. I'm not gonna chase all the things I dreamed of chasing right now. I'm just gonna get my heart right with you. You've come to give me life, life to the full. Jesus, we're so thankful for you and what you do in our ordinary lives and how you use it all for your glory. Would you help us to keep our eyes open to how you're moving and to the little steps that you have for us this week? In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, Grace family and friends. We are so glad you have joined us to worship at our online campus. I want to take a moment and talk a bit about why we as a church encourage giving. Did you know that giving is considered an act of worship? It's true. Paul addressed the Philippian church on this very thing. In Ephesians 4, 18 through 19, Paul states, I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Paul, of course, is referring to their offerings here. Paul continues, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Paul used these gifts to further the mission of spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. And just like Paul, our mission at Grace Free Church is to share this good news throughout Schuylkill County. We want you to be a part of this mission as well. By partnering with us, we can reach the people of Schuylkill County. In fact, we can't do it without you. You may be thinking, how do I partner with Grace Free Church? Well, one way is through giving. We made this partnership process very simple. In fact, we have several methods to assist you in joining this mission. You can mail your gift to the church. You can text your gift to 570-528-2060, or you can give online by clicking the Give Online button on this page. The Give Online button also has a recurring giving option, which is a great way to schedule your gift giving. We appreciate you and are excited to see what God has in store for this church. How great the chasm that lay between us how high the mountain i could not climb in desperation i turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night then through the darkness your loving kindness Tore through the shadows of my 
Sealed the prize. 